Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is continuing in the series of the book of Yaakov, which in most English translations, they have it as James. So we're in James chapter 2. And the last time I spoke on this message was on, on July 1st. So it's been a little bit of time that I've had off, and we had other people that were sharing, both Alan and Pastor Igor, and I appreciate their willingness to step forward and to proclaim the good news. Praise be unto God. So here we're going to find ourselves in the book of James, which usually follows the book of Hebrews or Messianic Jews. That makes it a little bit easier for you to, to locate it. And here we are in chapter 2. Yaakov, James, who is Yeshua's eldest stepbrother. They had two different fathers. Yaakov was born of Joseph. But Yeshua was born of God the Father through the Holy Spirit, the Ruach. And so he's now writing this letter to the 12 tribes of Israel who are part of the diaspora. They're outside the land of Israel. Let's begin in verse 1. My brothers, practice the faith of the Lord Yeshua, the glorious Messiah without showing favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your synagogue wearing gold rings and fancy clothes, and also a poor man comes in dress rags. If you show more respect to the man wearing the fancy clothes and say to him, have this good seat here, while to the poor man you say, you stand over there or sit down on the floor at my feet, then, you're, then aren't you creating distinctions among yourselves? And haven't you made yourselves into judges with evil motives? Listen, my dear brothers, hasn't God's chosen the poor of the world to be rich in faith and to receive the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. But you despise the poor. Aren't the rich the ones who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who insult the good name of him to whom you belong? If you truly attain the goal of the kingdom, Torah, in conformity with this passage that says, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show favoritism, your actions constitute sin, since you are convicted under the Torah as transgressors. For a people who keeps the whole Torah, yet stumbles at one point, has become guilty of breaking them all. For the one who said, don't commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now if, you, now, if you don't commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the Torah. Keep speaking and acting like people who will be judged by Torah, which gives freedom. For judgment will be without mercy toward one who, does show, who doesn't show mercy. But mercy wins out over judgment. What good is it, my brothers, if someone claims to have faith but has no actions to prove it? Is such faith able to save him? Suppose your brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and someone says to him, Shalom, keep warm and eat hearty, without giving him what he needs. 
What good, deeds, what good does it do? Thus faith by itself, unaccompanied by actions, is dead. But someone will say that you have faith and I have actions. Show me this faith of yours without the actions. And I will show you my faith by my actions. You believe that God is one? Good for you. The demons believe it too. The thought makes them shudder with fear. But foolish fellow, do you want to be shown that such faith apart from actions is barren? Was it Avraham Avinu, Abraham our father, declared righteous because of the actions when he offered up his son Yitzhak, Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith worked with his actions. By the actions, the faith was made complete. And the passage in the Tanakh, the Old Testament, was fulfilled, which says, Avraham had faith in God, and it was credited to his account as righteousness. He was even called God's friend. You see, the person is declared righteous because of actions and not because faith alone. Likewise, when Rachav, Rachel, the prostitute, also was declared righteous because of actions when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out on another route. Indeed, just as the body without a spirit is dead, so too faith without actions is dead. And so today we're going to be focusing on verses number six up to nine today. And so here's our focal point in Yaakov chapter two, verse six. But you despise the poor. Aren't the rich ones the ones who you oppress? And so now as we dig here a little bit deeper, this is what the, the message shares. Why do you treat the rich? And who are the rich in the contents that he's speaking of? Unbelieving Jews. They're fellow brothers, but they still have the veil over their eyes. In some special way, why do you treat the rich in a special way when they are the ones who oppress and drag you? Possibly into the Bet Din, which is the Jewish courts. So the Jewish religious court and insults the good's name of him, Yeshua, to whom you belong, namely our Lord Yeshua, that glorious Messiah. And today, in today's context, alternatively, these verses speak to of any rich person, whether he be of Jewish or of Gentile or of any court. Continuing, Yaakov now describes the faulty thinking of his readers. He's speaking to his his own brothers and sisters in Messiah, who come back from the lineage of the house of Israel. And so this is within the family group that he's speaking. Yaakov describes now the faulty thinking of his readers. Here are the poor that God wants to bless, yet Yaakov's readers ignore them. Here are the rich who are cheating them. Yet Yaakov readers give them honor. See the contrast between the two? Now let us go back to the portion here in Yaakov chapter 2 and verse 7. Aren't they the ones who insult the good name of him to whom you belong? 
And let's continue in verse number eight. If you truly obtain the goal of kingdom Torah in conformity with the passage that says, love your neighbor as yourself, then you're doing well. And so this kingdom Torah that Yaakov is speaking of is usually rendered what? The royal law. But the law of the kingdom in today's English version in most Bibles. Since the Greek word, and here's a new word for you, it's spelled B-A-S-I-L-I-K-O-S. Baslikos. Like English royal means of pertaining to the king. The Torah of pertaining to the king, and who's the king? But Yeshua himself, is precisely that which holds the kingdom of God that is mentioned in verse number five of Yaakov chapter one, verse five. And remember, this is what it says in Yaakov 1.25. Remember, there were no numbers on these different uh, sentences. There were no chapters in reference. So this is a flow of the full letter. And for us to fully understand, we got to check out again here, Yaakov chapter one, verse 25, which is just backed up here in the scripture a little bit. And this is what it says there. But if a person looks closely into the perfect Torah, which gives freedom and continues becoming not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work it requires, then he will be blessed in what he does. See, there's a blessing just as Alan shared today. As the people of Israel were about to enter the land of Israel, God desired to bless them if they would obey his mitzvot, his rulings, his guidance on how they were to conduct themselves with one another in the land and to honor him and not to forget him because God has set policies. And when you became a, a brand new born again believer in Messiah and you have the Ruach HaKodesh who is the Holy Spirit there to lead and guide you, you're not to do the th things the way that you used to do them. You're to listen to your tutor, who is the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of living God. And there are times when he says, stop. Hold your tongue. Give that thought to me. Because he's examining our motives, our thoughts. And just as he is part of the Godhead, there's nothing hidden from him. You can't pull the wool over his eyes. He is there to instruct and lead and guide us. And so Yaakov is giving them this instruction. And is he quoting from Matthew through Revelation? No, because it's not even been written yet. There are those theologians that say that they believe that Yaakov may have even been sent out before the Gospels. And there's a lot of debate going on back and forth on that. And that's fine. Clarification on those issues will be finalized when we're in heaven, right? And we can get dissuaded and knocked off track on these different issues, but are we, what are we supposed to focus on? God's word and what we're to do to accomplish his work. What is our personal part in that? And what is our corporate um, person to be involved in that as a corporate body of Messiah because we don't act alone on our own there are no loose cannons 
And there are no lone rangers in the Messianic community. All are being directed by the one spirit. It's God the Father's plan that he firmly established even before he created the heavens and the earth. And one day we're all going to have to give an account on how we did not fulfill God's calling on our life. And we're not to look at that in fear, but to look at that as, as, as a spirit living God tutoring us, leading and guiding us. And that's what basically Yaakov, in writing this letter, he's, he's bringing these things out. He sees things that they're actually doing and how they're harming their own community right where they are. Their testimony, because they're doing things according to the flesh and they're not being led by the spirit. So praise be to God. Let's continue here. The kingdom of Torah is not a new Torah given by Messiah Yeshua. It's nothing new. How do we know this? Let's now look to the book of Galatians chapter 4, chapter 5, verse 14. Galatians 5, 14. This is what it says here. For the whole of the Torah is summed up in one sentence. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, is that something brand new that Yaakov is now sharing with his Jewish brothers and sisters that are out in the diaspora? Absolutely not. Where was it first spoken of? If you would turn with me to Vaikra, which is Leviticus chapter 19, 18, it says this. Don't take vengeance on your brother or bear a grudge against any of your own people. Rather, love your neighbor as yourself. I am Adonai. So think about that. This instruction, this mitzvot of how to conduct yourself and how you're to, to treat your brothers and sisters in Messiah, that was firmly established within the Jewish people prior to them even entering the land. See that 40 years in the wilderness? That was a time of testing and allowing them to live these things out. Did they fail many times? Absolutely. Do you and I fail many times? Absolutely. But there's a place of reconciliation. And so that is judging our own selves. What is my motivation? What are my thoughts? Am I loving my brother and sister as my own self? Or am I building myself beyond them? Am I trying to put myself on a pedestal? in their lives? That's a good question. So going forward here, also in Romans 13, 8 through 10, it says this. Don't owe anyone anything except love one another. For whoever loves his fellow human being has fulfilled Torah. For the commandments, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet. And any others are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Now, who was inspired to write the letter to the Romans? Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul. So we see that there's unity in both their teaching. Many people say, well, these two individuals were opposed and they were not. That's why we have to focus on the scripture. Continue here in verse number 10 of Romans 13. Love does not do harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fullness of Torah. And where's that scripture come from that speaks about don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet, and to love your neighbor as yourself? That's in the book of Shemot, chapter Exodus chapter 20, verses 13 and 14. And also repeated in Deuteronomy, Dabarim, chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. And to love your neighbor as yourself, as I just read, Vaikran, Leviticus chapter 19, 18. So let us continue as we go forward. So the whole Torah is now summed up with this one sentence. Love your neighbor as yourself. Rather, Yaakov means the kingdom Torah is the essence. Nothing other than the Torah carried out that Moshe, Moses gave. And what is to, how it's to be fulfilled today? By the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. In conformity with its own passage that says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so that is to be our focus as we move forward. And now we'll look at now what Yeshua was also pointing this in the direction when he said that this is one of the two mitzvot, the principles that we are to follow. And where do we find that? We find that now in Matthew chapter 22 and beginning at verse 33. Matthew chapter 22 and beginning at verse 33. And this is what it says here. Matthew 22 and 33. And when the crowds had heard how he, and who's the he in this portion? Yeshua himself. How he taught. They were astounded. But when the Pershim, which are the Pharisees, learned that he had silenced the Zudakim, who was at the Sadducees, they got together. And one of them, who was a Torah expert, asked a Shelah to trap him. Now, to a lot of you, a Shelah, that is a new word. That's the plural form of the word Shehilot, which is a simple question. And this is a question that focuses on a definition in Judaism, a technical term meaning a question about halak laha, which is Jewish law, or some other aspect of the Bible or Jewish tradition. Okay? So, this individual, a Torah expert, tried to pull the rugs from under Yeshua to trap him. Verse 36, Rabbi, 
Which of the mitzvot, and what is a mitzvot? Mitzvot is a Hebrew word which is singular. Mitzvah is a word that is plural. It's literally a command or a commandment. It is a principle for living, a good deed, an action. It's not just simply a thought, but it's actually an action. And so Alan shared a little bit as the Lord was giving these commands as a mitzvah, as a mitzvot, that these were actually principles of living. This is God's policy that he had established for the children of Israel to do. So let us continue here back in Matthew. Rabbi, which of the mitzvot in the Torah is the most important? So he's asking for all of them. Which is the greatest? He told them, you are to love Adonai your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is the greatest and most important mitzvah. Notice that's plural. And the second is similar to it. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. All the Torah and the prophets are dependent on these two mitzvotes, these two ways of living. Then turning to the assembled Purushim, Yeshua put a shihilah to them, a question to them. Tell me your view concerning the Messiah. Whose son is he? They said to him, David's. Then how is it, he asked, that David, inspired by the spirit, the Ruach, calls him Lord when he says, Adonai said to my Lord, sit here at my right hand until I put my enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one could think of anything to say in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to put another she'ilah question about Jewish law or Jewish tradition before him. He was able to silence the crowd that one moment there. So continuing here, Yeshua was pointing in the direction when he said that this is the one of the two mitzvot. And we just read in Matthew 22, 33 through 44, on which all Torah and the prophets depend upon. Here the principle says, as Yaakov was speaking, that the poor, including widows and orphans, as well as the rich, are counted as neighbors, to be loved as oneself. And so let us now look at Yaakov chapter 1, verse 26. As I said earlier, there were no chapters and numbered verses in this letter originally. Man added it later to help people clarify to find out where they are. So, Yaakov chapter 1, verse 26. Anyone who thinks that he is religiously observant, notice that, anyone who thinks, 
but does not control his own tongue is deceiving himself. And his observance counts for what? For nothing. The religious observance that God the Father considers pure and faultless is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being contaminated by the world. Is that not very, very clear? And in most cases, the orphans and the widows were the poor people in their society. Why? Because a lot of women normally would not work outside the home. And if it was an aged woman, if she was blessed with a husband and then he passed, she may have children, especially sons, that were there to provide for her. Yeshua on the execution tree addressed Yohanan John and said, this is now your mother. And he was speaking of Miriam. That John, his Talmudim, was there to provide for his own mother. And he said to his mother, he now is your son. See the provision there? Let's continue here. Praise be unto God. Now, Yeshua meant the same thing when he spoke and taught, and it's recorded in Luke chapter 10. Let's turn to Luke chapter 10. See how the scripture is interwoven with itself, and so that we'll have greater understanding what the scripture is, and that's line upon line, Precept upon precept, both the Tanakh, the Old Testament, and the Brit Hadeshah, the New Testament. Because my brothers and sisters, if you're just reading the New Testament, you're missing out. You do not have the full understanding, and you are in balance in your teaching. Because you do not meditate on the scriptures as a whole. They're so interwoven with one another... That's the only way we gain understanding. And notice this. Yaakov, every scripture that he's quoting is from the Tanakh. Because the Brit Hadashah has not, or it's in the process of being written. So let us continue. Luke chapter 10, and we're here in verse number 25. An expert of the Torah stood up to try to trap him by asking Rabbi, what should I do to obtain eternal life? And some people say, well, Jewish people don't know about eternal life, really. What was his number one question? He wanted eternal life. But Yeshua said to him, what is written in the Torah? How do you read it? So he's turning now a question to him. He answered, you are to love the I deny your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your understanding, and your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Why wasn't this the guy that approached Yeshua in Matthew chapter 22? See, this is a different total occasion. A lot of people, they kind of try to put this as the same person. But clearly, the scripture this was a true seeker. Continuing. 
That's the right answer, Yeshua said. Do this and you will have life. But he wanting to justify himself. Why? Because we Jewish people, we believe we can attain Torah and honoring God through works. But we fail. But he wanting to justify himself said to, said to Yeshua, and who's my neighbor? Taking up the question, Yeshua said, a man was going down from Yerushalayim to Jericho, to Jericho, when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him naked and beat him up, and he went off, leaving him half dead. By coincidence, a Cohen, who's a priest, was going down on that road. But when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Likewise, a Levi, someone from the tribe of Levi, who reached the place and saw him also passed on the other side. But a man from Shamron, Samaria, who was traveling came upon him, and when he saw him, he was moved by what? Compassion. What was the Levite and the Cohen instructed to do? To love your neighbor as yourself. But they chose not to. Continuing. So he went up to him and put oil and wine on his wounds, and he bandaged him. Then he set him on his donkey and brought him into an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two days' wages and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Look after him. And if you spend more than this, I will pay you back when I return. Of these three, which one seems to you? Notice he's asking him to examine the evidence. I want you to think about this. See, God wants us to use our minds. He wants us to process the evidence that's before us. Did you not do the same when, you, when it was revealed to you that you were lost in your sins and without hope? And he presented you the only way, the only bridge to be reconciled unto God the Father? Absolutely. So which one seems to you to have become the neighbor of the man who fell among the robbers? And think about this. This is a Cohen, a priest, and a Levi. You can get a lot of trouble if you speak against a Cohen or a Levi. But here's an honest person who's searching for God and eternal life. He answered, the one who showed mercy to him. Can you imagine the gasp of those people that were listening? <gasps> he spoke against the Levi and the Cohen. Peer pressure. But this man was truly a God seeker. He desired eternal life. Continuing. He answered the one who showed mercy to him. And Yeshua said to him, 
You go now and do exactly as he did. So what are you and I supposed to be doing now that we have eternal life? We're to show love to our neighbor as we love ourselves. And let me ask this question because it has to be asked. If are you are refraining to share the hope that is in you, your eternal life in Messiah, if you're refraining to do that, because you may offend this person and you may lose that relationship and that relationship if it's a family member a neighbor a co-worker the guy that comes and picks up your trash during the week you fill in the blank if you're not presenting the hope that is in you to that individual then you're not loving your neighbor as yourself because you already have salvation. Your name has been sealed in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's undeniable. We are here on this earth to, to meet the needs of one another. So if you see one that's in rags or they're hungry, we're there to help and meet the need. Be led by the discernment of the Spirit of the living God. But what is their greatest need? Eternal life. And if they're presently separated from God the Father, and we do not speak, are you willing to be ashamed for sharing the good news? What did Rob Shaul say? I am not ashamed of the good news. But are we? Praise be unto God. Blessed be the name of God most high. So, with this portion here, we truly see how to love one another and how, how to go forth with God's good word and to proclaim it just as we have received we should do likewise. Praise be unto God. If you obtain the goal of kingdom Torah, this is usually understood to mean if you fulfill it, if you observe it, and if you obey it. The Greek word, and here's a brand new Greek word, it's spelled T-E-L-E-I-T-E, tehilit, which also allows the translation, if you complete kingdom Torah, if you bring it to its goal. And how do we know what the goal is? Rav Shaul gave us instruction. Now let us turn to the book of Romans, chapter 10. Roman tap, chapter 10. And we'll be getting here at verse number 4. Romans 10 and verse 4. For the goal at which Torah aims is the Messiah. So if the Torah is not pointing you to Messiah, and I'm speaking to my, my Messianic believing brothers who happen to be of the nations, and you're getting so Torah observant to the point that you're more into the feasts of the Lord, 
the shadows and your focus is not Messiah, what does God's word say right here? From the Apostle Paul, Rav Shaul, for the, for the goal at which Torah aims is the Messiah. If it's not drawing you closer to Messiah and proclaiming Messiah to others, then you're off the right path. And you should be proclaiming the Messiah. For the goal at which the Torah aims is Messiah, who offers righteousness to everyone who does what? Who trusts, puts their faith in what? His completed work. Praise be unto God. Continuing, that would mean that the Messianic believers would accomplish the purpose of Torah by obeying the Torah of Moshe, interpreted in conformity with the passage that says, love your neighbor as yourself. That is, in such a way as to take into account the coming of Yeshua the Messiah in the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament. If as many think Yaakov's letter was first was the first book of the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, to be written, then one could say that the other Brit Hadashah New Testament characters and writers, in effect, followed his recommendation and completed the kingdom of Torah. In such passages, we see this in Acts chapter 10 and verse 28. Let's turn to Acts chapter 10 and verse 28. Because a lot of us don't fully remember, realize the impact that this Yaakov had at the beginning of the Messianic community. Sometimes we're so fixated with the, the other 11, or even Rav Shaul, but Yaakov left his impression upon his transformed life to the point that he was the first one to step forward and got revelation from the Lord that they were to accept the people from the nations as brothers and sisters in Messiah. And this has to be laid out today. It's very, very important. So here we're in Acts chapter 10, and we're looking at verse 28. And this is what it says here. He said to them, you are well aware that for a man who's a Jew to have close association with someone who belongs to another people or come to visit him is something that is not, just not done. But God has shown me not to call any person common or unclean. So here is a testimony that is given here by Kepha, Peter. And this coincides with the revelation that Yaakov also receives. And let's continue now in uh, verse number 34 of chapter 10. Then Kepha addressed them. I know, understand that God does not play favorites. But that whoever fears him and does what is right is is acceptable to him, no matter what people he belongs to. Hear the message that he sent to the sons of Israel 
announcing shalom through Yeshua, Yeshua the Messiah. Who is the Lord of everything? Did you hear that? He's not just the Lord over the Jewish people, but the Lord of everything. So continuing here, in chapter 15, and this is where the rubber meets the road. Chapter 15. And beginning at verse 13. Yaakov. Let's back up to verse number 12. The whole assembly kept still. And where's this assembly? It's in Jerusalem. The whole assembly kept still as they listened to Barnabas, who's Barnabas, and Shaul, that's the Apostle Paul, tell what signs and miracles God had done through them among the Gentiles. Now here he is, here's Yaakov. And this is the same Yaakov that wrote the book of Yaakov, James. Yaakov brought silent, broke the silence to reply. Brothers, he said, hear what I have to say. Shimon, which is Kepha Peter, has told in detail what God did when he first began to show his concern for taking from among the Gentiles a people to bear his name. Whose name? Kepha's? No, Yeshua's name. And the words of the prophets are in complete harmony, for it is written, After this I will return, and I will rebuild, rebuild the fallen tent of David. Notice that. The tent of David has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. So was the tent of David being reestablished just for the Jewish people? No, but for the nations also. That is, all nations who have been called by my name, says Adonai, who is doing these things. And all this has been known for when? For all ages. This is part of God's plan. Because that first section there, that's a direct quote from Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. Continuing here. All this has been known for ages. Therefore, my opinion, so Yaakov is now giving his opinion, because you know what? Yeshua wants us to think on what the scripture says. And so he says, therefore, my opinion is that we should not put obstacles in the way of the Gentiles who are turning to God. See, the rabbis wanted to put up obstacles. Continuing here. Instead, we should write them a letter telling them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from fornication, from what is strangled, and from blood. From the earliest times, Moshe has had in every city those who proclaim him, with his words being read in the synagogues every Shabbat. Wait, is, isn't that a misprint? Shouldn't it say churches? Churches did not exist. And when are they meeting on Shabbat? That's Friday evening at sundown to Sunday evening. Excuse me, Saturday evening at sundown. Then the emissaries and the elders together with the whole Messianic community decided to select men from among themselves to send to Antioch with Shaul and Barnabas. 
They sent Yehuda Judah, called Barsaba, which is Barnabas, and Selah, both leading men, or Silas, both leading men among the brothers with the following letter. So here's a letter directly from Yaakov. To whom? To those who are Gentile brothers in Messiah Yeshua, part of the Messianic community. From the emissaries, from the apostles and the elders, your brothers. Notice that. We are equal. To the brothers from among the Gentiles throughout Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings, or shalom. We have heard that some people went out from among us without our authorization. Notice that. Just because someone comes from a certain group, you got to test the words, what they share. Does it line up with scripture or not? Do they lift up Yeshua or do they lift up themselves? Do they want you to follow them or what Yeshua has taught? Continuing. We have heard that some people went out from among us without our authorization and that they have upset you with their talk, unsettling your minds. Notice that, the minds. How do we interpret and see Yeshua? Through our minds and our hearts, through our life experiences with him. Verse 25, so we decided unanimously. Notice that. They're of all of one spirit. Why? Because they're being led by the spirit of the living God, the Ruach HaKodesh. To select men and to send them to you with our dear friends Barnaba, Barnabas, and Shaul, who have dedicated their lives to up upholding the name of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. So that we have sent Yehuda, Judah, and Silas, Silas, and they will confirm in person what we are writing. For it seemed good to the Ruach HaKodesh. And who is the Ruach HaKodesh? The Holy Spirit, part of the Godhead, the one who is sent to us by Yeshua, promised by him, continuing, and to us not to lay any heavier burden on you than the following requirements. And we as believers are not to add to the Lord's instruction. We're simply to get the Lord's instruction, step back, and let the power of the Ruach HaKodesh work that out in an individual's life. We're to proclaim the good news. We're not there to save anyone. We're not there to transform anyone's life. We are there to proclaim the good news and allow the living word of God to transform that person's life. As it's being meted out, giving understanding in that person's mind and heart, by the revelation, not of us, not through argument or debate, but by the leading and the persuasion of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and he is the gentleman. For it seemed good to the Ruach HaKodesh and to us not to lay any heavier burden on you than the following requirements, to abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood, from things strangled and from fornication. If you keep yourself from these, you'll be doing the right thing. Shalom. So if you cannot look at people from the nations and have compassion for them, or vice versa, if you're from the nations and you have a Jewish 
Messiah, and you've received the good news from the Jewish people, and you have no desire to win the lost, the unbelieving Jews that are part, who would have the veil over their eyes of the nation of Israel, then my question is this to you. Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? Absolutely not. And the Lord will fill your mouth with the right words to share with anyone who's lost. Because you know what? At times, you may be the only voice that they ever hear. Praise be to God. 